You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open with Teresa and America. Hi, everyone. We're on a second of a series called I Can't Stop. And today is I Can't Stop Saying Things That Get Me in Trouble. It's horrible, but it's the truth. I know. I do this a lot. Do you do this a lot? Yes. I'll start. I have I have a good example of this. Where this comes up in my life is when I have all these thoughts. Most often they're negative thoughts. And I have to make a very conscious effort to say to myself, America don't say that it will change everything you know and sometimes i can do that and other times i can't and when i can't it's not just one thing that comes out it's like uh, an explosion of words that i just shouldn't share because they're all internal thoughts oftentimes coming from a place of hurt trauma anger never good places, you know, not good emotions in that way. Kind of like last time talking about not being able to get out of your own way or Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is the way that verbal vomiting does that specific thing. Yeah. Like needing to win. What did we talk about last week? Was it It, a sense of righteousness? (laughs) Yes. It was a sense of righteousness and justice that we felt in some way influenced our reaction. Okay. So yes. When we are going to do something we don't want to do, and that includes saying things we don't want to say, when I've had big feelings and I have to win a fight, you got to put the last word in. My husband always says that I do that, but I don't feel like I do that any more than he does that. So to me, I'm like, that's fighting. Fighting is everyone trying to one up the other. I think sometimes I do that, but it's... It even kind of plays out like outside of my person, I've had conversations with folks who on the other side of it, where my reaction may be more from these not so good emotions like anger and trauma. Mm -hmm. For other folks, it may be tied to vulnerability. And so they say so much Mm. without filtering what they're saying. This is definitely me. Yeah. (laughs) Like more than just fights, because I feel like fights are specific moments. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not vulnerability, it's anxiety. It's so tied to my anxiety. Oh, for me, it's tied to my anxiety. When I get overly anxious about a situation, or because I'm an overly anxious person, I have a lot of thoughts and Unfortunately, if I'm also going to use a mind-altering substance, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it also reduces my natural inhibition, which causes me to be quiet. And suddenly I'm saying all the things that are in my head. And as I'm saying them, I have the same experience as when I'm sober, when I'm not sober. It's the stop talking. (laughs) Yeah. That voice? Yes. You're like, why can you not stop talking? Right. I'm less in that space, but I and with my friends and stuff, I know that they've shared that, that it's just, for them, when we 
when we talked about it and, and they may be anxious individuals as well, but when you like bring it down to what that is tied to is the fact that they are trying to be as honest about themselves and what they want, but then they don't know. Sometimes it's lack of reading social cues that you, you don't have to share all of it right now, you know? Mm. So it's it's interesting how that varies um, for each individual. Yeah. There is that sense of shame that follows. Yeah. Whenever yeah. it happens, you know, knowing yeah. why you say what you say and then the feeling that you're left with kind of tells you when you're in this trap. Yeah. It's like the face palm, like, oh, yeah. God. Because yes. if I didn't stop saying things to get me in trouble, and I didn't feel like I was in trouble, and I would feel happy about the things I said. Yes. But instead, I feel shame and guilt, like I'm going to lose friends or a lot of social anxiety for me also sounds like this. Like, oh my gosh, do you not literally know how to be <laughs> in relationship with being. people? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So as, as an adult, I started to realize even as an adult, there are certain environments that triggered my social anxiety or my anxiety. And I would just say or be or act either I didn't act dumb, but in my brain, the way it looked seemed dumb. So yeah, I got it you. was really hard for me to understand what the truth was. <laughs> like, and then I would then start to overly apologize. I don't know if you mm. relate to this at all. Then I would start apologizing, be like, I'm so sorry, I'm being so stupid. And people were like, You're not being stupid. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I, I and now I'm apologizing for being stupid, which is stupid. And now uh, I can't stop that. You've cycle. done that when when I'm in your presence and I can like totally relate to seeing you do that. That's an, that's an important thing though, that you recognize. The other thing that came through for me when you're talking is this idea that yes, it's social cues, part, part of that. It's um, the social relationship aspect of it. But what sticks out is this idea that it also depends on who you're talking to. Mm. So like with my friends, right, I could just do that verbal bomb and be like, blah, 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 blah. And they pick up on every single thing that I'm talking about. But if I did that with my husband, it would be like, what? Mm. You know, different different way that we communicate. And and I think that also influences how you then react, right? Sometimes my reaction comes when maybe I feel like I'm not being heard in some way. So mm -hmm. then the trigger for me is like, oh, I'm not being heard. You have to listen. Why aren't you listening? And then so I have to say the thing that I'm thinking compared to my friends who are just like fully attentive and they're like, yep, pick up I got it you're throwing all these things I'm picking it all up yeah I would absolutely say the way someone reacts to you in this state of mind tells you if it's gonna get worse like way worse yeah. or if it's gonna get better yeah because the way you get in trouble sounds like it really leans into your justice like feeling heard being being right <laughs> whereas for me it's anxiety and falling apart but if I'm in a bad situation where I I'm with strangers or I'm in a high pressured situation, it's horrible. It's like watching a movie you wish would stop. It's a horrible train wreck, you know? Like sometimes I feel that way when I'm at maybe at events and stuff. I I, I get a little bit of what you're <laughs> talking about. And yeah. I hate events. And like there's this need for you to be like, 
okay, you're going to be talking about clouds. And I'm like, uh, okay, what three sentences can I say that sound rational about clouds? You know, whatever. And then I say whatever and I'm just like, did that even make sense? Why did you say that about clouds? Yeah. <laughs> did, did you just say, you know, like something random that's not even connected? So it's kind of like an out-of-body experience that yeah. you see yourself from the outside. You're like, You're like, stop. Wait, stop talking. Did you just say that? So unpacking it both. I mean, for yours, I've been there with fights. I mm-hmm. That's hard because in those moments, the thing that stops you from saying the thing that gets you in trouble is the ability to catch yourself, like you said, because you do. You have to catch yourself and then you have to make a choice. Yeah. <laughs> and that choice sounds like a talking to oneself, at least I don't know for you, but for oh, me, totally. it's like, are you going to say something right now? Mm-hmm. Are you going to say that word you want to say or are you going to eat it and swallow it and give time? Yeah. Time out. If I can catch myself. And then make the right choice <laughs> to not say the thing. I mean, there should be something in your rule, in your brain that says, if you ever ask that question, the answer should always be, don't say whatever you're going to say. Right. But in my brain, there isn't. Somehow, despite the failure every time, there is a negotiation to be had. Yeah. And it's a 50-50 shot. And I do it anyways. And Every time it's another seven days of fighting, you know, it never works out better. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm not sure if I can say what I need to say in that moment (laughs) in a way that can be heard, (laughs) in a way that helps the situation. I should just do it. I should just remember, always step away. Don't ever say the thing. I, I wish, I wish that I could implement that in working with my therapist, (laughs) what I think has, has proven useful is that like I have the thought and that immediate reaction, that self-talk, it's like, no, no, don't share that. And it's like, okay, wait, how can you say that in a different way that will be received better? Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You've gotten here with your therapist. I have, I have. And so I have tried. I really have tried. And so there's moments where if I'm in an argument, all of a sudden, like maybe my husband will say something and I'll be like, and he's like, what? Say something. And I'm and literally in my head, I'm like, I'm thinking about how to say this thing. And so I have to tell him, give me a moment. I'm thinking of how to say this. Okay. And what tricks have worked for you for how to reframe it? so that it comes out nicer? (laughs) Like what's the pre-voice and what's the post-voice? Is there a pattern there? I don't think I'm there yet, man. I I think where I'm at right now is just even catching myself enough to be able to say, okay, is there a different way that you can say this that will be heard differently? This is in psychology work, this is the the skill where people oh, talk God, about yeah. not using yeah. I statements and using feeling statements. And it's so categorical. But I think the point of that is to slow down and reduce the pressure of it being about the other person. Right. And somewhere in there, things hopefully go right. Right. You know? <laughs> yes. But I feel, <laughs> I feel this. <laughs> yeah. Versus you are a You jerk. make me. You, yeah. You make me want to punch my face. (laughs) You should have. Yeah. Yeah. It does. There's something obviously there that does work. 
but I think it's uh, as much the process as it is what you say. <laughs> and it the is goal is to say, s- slow down and not be reactive to emotions. <laughs> it has helped me to slow down my thought patterns, but I have to be in a receptive mood mm. to be able to do this because if it's an immediate kind of reaction, I, I, I don't have enough self-control to just be like, Wah! you know, so I have to set the stage for me to have a conversation. So mm. it's not an argument, right? Okay. So that's really interesting because we focus on the content and the process in relationship work. There's been some recent I've heard things where people talk about how much energy you have to give to somebody. Mm-hmm. And that might be a good check-in before you're about to get in a fight. Like, what's your number on empathy? You know, <laughs> what's your number? If your empathy empathy number is zero, like, let's not talk, dude. There's nothing. No, right. there's no empathy to give. There's none to be had, none to be taken. We have to come back when, and I think that's what people mean when you say, When you're in a fight, try to put yourself in someone else's shoes as a process for slowing down and being able to have a productive conversation. If you can't put yourself in your partner's shoes and you're only siding with yourself, then you're entering in as a boxing match. If you take that out of context of it being a personal relationship like you and your partner or something, I even remember when I was younger, you know, I struggled a lot in arguing with my mom and talking back. Mm-hmm. And there came a point where my dad was just like, that's it. I can't take it with you both, you know? Like, it's just too much arguing all the time. And he, from from all the time that I can remember, they would always be like, count to 10. So when I was a teenager, you know, he would be like, do you really want to say those things? I'd be like, yes. And, and then... <laughs> But then, you know, you take a moment and you step back. And you're like, oh, maybe there's a different way. But even now at work, that mental energy to be able to navigate a conversation with somebody who you may not necessarily agree with, all of that is is very similar because you could totally be like, you know, you didn't do the thing I asked you to do yesterday. Mm-hmm. And immediately you're going to create chaos and confrontation instead of being like, I wanted to make sure, you know, everything was okay because we had talked about such and such and you were supposed to hand it in today, whatever, right? And so that language and that work is needed for us to get to a better place. But it's a lot of mental energy. Yeah. I mean, that is the empathy thing that I mentioned, right? So if it's a colleague you dislike and in the moment you're like, well, why didn't you do this? Oh, I totally know what you're saying. I can recall really extreme examples with colleagues where – I was frustrated, which which ties into like, well, why am I mad? Mm. I am I often have found like I am mad because I am jealous. Like you get to do something I can't do. You are taking vacation. You are setting boundaries. I can't do that. I haven't done it. And I'm I'm resentful. Mm-hmm. I'm resentful of what you get to do. And underneath resentment is jealousy because I haven't fulfilled that need myself, you know? So I go on the attack and I'm like, why didn't you finish? Or why didn't you do this thing, you know, or whatever, Mm -hmm. whoever freaking knows. Whatever context you're in, whatever environment, whether it's at work, at school, or dealing with your parents or whatever, the nature of it is recognizing what you want to get out of the conversation. Hopefully it's a conversation and not an argument, right? The argument is like level two. (laughs) let's just figure out how to do level one and and at that level one you know you are trying to 
make sure that you're in a state that you are able to not only receive information, but also provide information well. You're communicating effectively. Where I think it's interesting is that management between the level one and level two, where that struggle, it's my struggle that I'm just like, yo, calm down. I can say that to myself. I can say, calm down. Somebody Somebody else says that to me. It's like fire. Yeah. Okay, let's switch to social anxiety. Because <laughs> your calm down reminds me of social anxiety. You know, I'm in my brain, I'm telling myself to calm down or whatever. Yeah. But my heart's racing and I'm so mm-hmm. sweaty. Like, I'm so sweaty. <laughs> and it, it's like a panic attack. Like, the world changes. Yeah, physically. <laughs> you know? It yeah. feels like everything is happening all at one time. It feels like I'm getting suffocated. <laughs> and I'm trying to say calm down. But I definitely, this is where I have the the fear-based reaction, you know, flight, fight, or flop, <laughs> freeze. Okay. Okay, you're my friend. You don't have this. Help me because I've gone to parties, literally work parties where you've been, and I've been so anxious. I needed to just hide at a corner. I don't know if you've seen parties where I do that. I just hide at a corner and I pray nobody comes to talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> while I eat my plate of food. It's so bad. You know, even if I'm in a bad spot, it's worse. Like if I'm in a depressed episode or if I'm, you know, like my table, my, my, the stability of my life yeah, is not solid. Wobbly. Yeah. It's like, so that's, that's, I call that <laughs> flight. This is my, my version of being able to flee. Fright is the one that looks the worst because I'm not even aware enough not to not put myself in that situation. So then I, that is the risk factor for, right. For, 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 for the vomit and the not stopping. Yeah. <laughs> and then freeze is best case scenario. Cause then I'm just not saying anything. It's like frozen. And in the end, I always leave those conversations the best. People think I'm a good listener. <laughs> Even though I've heard 0% of what they said because I've been in my own head the whole time. Before you get into that, like, let's say you know, for example, you're going to be at an event on Saturday. Do you mentally prepare for that or is that even too much to even think about? Oh, definitely. I mean, I can't help it. You know, I'm anxious about an event before an event's even started. Okay. And it goes some ways. Like sometimes I'll be so anxious about an event, I could still prepare and I'll look okay. And sometimes I fall so much apart that I can't even find the right outfit. I haven't showered. If I'm going to head into a very contentious event, like a family event, yeah, some family weddings, I'm like, oh my God, did I just have a tsunami level? <laughs> I ballooned up. I didn't wash my hair. I barely found an outfit. And okay, that's really interesting. I'm going to follow your train of thought. When I have had those incidences, most of my anxiety has been pre-event. By the time I get to the event, because I'm so amped up, I freeze. Okay. So when I leave, I'm okay. But the whole entirety of the event sucked because it was Mm pre-game, pre-game anxiety. I don't ever want to look at pictures. And I froze and I don't know what I said. And yeah, it's like fine. it's completely I, it's, gone. I just dissociated, like whatever, yeah. you know. Those are the ones that are also the highest risk for me using substances in a problematic way to mm-hmm. self-medicate. 
-hmm. which when I enter that phase, it also goes both ways because sometimes, you know, drinking or using a substance to feel better, like even anti-anxiety meds, it reduces your inhibition, but then you're, I'm at risk for not freezing. I'm having risk for fire for fight. Right. And then I get into different kinds of trouble. That's where I'm like, I can't stop saying the things I said because all of a sudden I, all the things that were in my head, I'm saying all of them, all of them. Right. At one time. And you're like, why are you walking in this house with a bone to pick about something? Um, And so that's catastrophic in a different way. Fear, the one where I just like, if it's not flight, it's fleeing. I mean, that's like, Like maybe that's like my every day. That's like my, maybe that's the, the, the low stakes, you know, that my, my, my general stance is I can be afraid, but aware enough to just hide. Knowing that these could be the reactions, right? Uh Yeah. For family events, for instance, mm-hmm. and with with your husband, do you ever say to him like, so this event on Saturday is, or maybe he even knows you so well that he just knows that your anxiety was like a level one and now it's a level eight because it's getting closer. Yeah. Does he pick up on those cues or do you have to give him <laughs> info? Oh my gosh, dude. Even as recent as like a month ago we did not have enough insight to know that these events were causing problems. So then we would get into a fight. Oh yeah. And then I wasn't even aware that those events were also causing him problems. And so together it was like, you know, yeah. it's like, maybe that's a special gift family does for you. Cause it didn't matter if it was his family or my family, these events would be stressful. We both would be stressed and we, we would get into a fight <laughs> and then it would, it would cause us to be at most risk of saying things to each other and then and then making a choice about how we entered into these environments, which is why I think recognizing that we come from a family of alcoholics, like that was a big part of our relationship, realizing like, oh my gosh, I can't keep blowing up and then drinking to cope and then doing that together was really unhealthy. Family dynamics, I think, are very important in how you navigate all these situations. It'd be different if, for instance, he recognized without, maybe he's dealing with his own things, but recognizing Teresa needs a little more support this week because of this event on Saturday, right? And prepping you and figuring out how do I help you along that path Yeah. so that by Saturday, you are fully aware of what could be and have a game plan like inside if you see me frozen Freaking in a corner out. yeah you know come save me right i've had a couple family members because it's not all or none you know when you come yeah. from a big family inevitably somebody is also really good luckily i have had a a person who's not my husband if he can do that for me great but we should try to do that for each other I have a family member who's been better over time about seeing me freak out and being like, let's go for a walk. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, you know, and with this person, I feel very safe. And it's so weird because in these moments, I could tell physically how my body feels from one moment to another, literally as we're walking out the door away Mm -hmm. from this environment. Yeah how I feel different and and how what feeling safe <laughs> does for you in terms of not vomiting and falling apart. You know, that's really cool to think about too, though, because this idea of um, when you recognizing some of the boundaries that exist for you, safety is a big one for you, right? Mine is, is justice, right? 
and the lines get blurry in, in whatever interaction we're having, there are there are physical reactions that I can, you know, be like, okay, my tummy's getting warmer, my shoulders are getting tighter, and it's like I'm about to say that thing, you know? <laughs> and if we're able to stop ourselves in the moment and and just focus on our bodies, like and not five minutes, I'm talking about it kind of slow and in, intentional about it, to just help our brains disconnect. There's yeah. another thing too that recently I learned about um, like how deep breathing in a stressful situation and taking like additional little mini breaths helps to like re-engage your brain. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, why yeah. haven't I implemented that? Yeah. There's something really true about the, the what's that book about the trauma book, The Body Keeps Score? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All the ways that you feel and carry the trauma. Yeah. It just doesn't go away because I'm not seven, you know? Right. And that's a good, that's a good reminder. I think because when I think about what I need to do to not say something, and I don't know if you experience this, but with anxiety, sometimes I can get so anxious about what I'm going to say. I forget to think about what I'm going to do as part of saying. And what you're reminding is, you know what? I need, I do. I should. I'm not. And I'm not practicing it, despite the fact that I know it intellectually. I'm not taking breaths. <laughs> I'm not preparing myself that way. Do I need to go for a walk or do mm -hmm. yoga or meditation or something to ground myself? And I know that I don't because I, I get so anxious. I just let myself give in to that because I can't get out of the anxiety enough to see the path forward. You know, right, right. I just You're let just in that just, cycle. I'm so accustomed in my anxiety brain to just let that brain take over so much that I'm not practicing the practice. But that's why I think a lot of this conversation helps us, right, where we may not always have the tools at our ready, right? Ready to go. But we can try to remember them and implement them over time. And slowly it becomes a practice where you're eventually becomes innate and you're just like, okay, this is how I'm supposed to react to these types of situations. I also really believe that in the long term, it's really important to, I feel the need to say what I need to say. I totally am like tied to that. So where I end up going and landing is saying, okay, if you want to say this thing, is it the right time for you to say this thing? Not in anger, but so you need to find the right time. I need to be in the right head space to be able to have a conversation. And ultimately the person has to be willing to receive. So I'm really working hard on this. I deserve a star. <laughs> This whole I can't stop series is really difficult because yeah. it basically summarizes the requirement to have insight into what leads to a problematic behavior and then what happens in microseconds to not do what you know you shouldn't do. Right. <laughs> and there are like whole theories of practice about how to slow down and stop yourself and reflect. So what's your takeaway today? My takeaway is being intentional about the physical being. Like, how am I actually feeling right now? And asking all, my, all the pertinent questions. Are you hungry? Are you tired? Do you need water? 
you know, so all those things influence how I'm going to react. I could tell this conversation triggered all of my anxiety. So as we were having it, I can tell that I'm so not able to process because I'm my body has all these automatic reactions, you know, but the only thing I can remember through the fog is (laughs) you're like, who's your person who's going to keep you safe? I'm like that. Duh, you know, and and I, recognizing that I let myself go so much, I didn't even remember that I have control before these events to slow down and say, you know what? Yeah, if, if you're going to go to a situation, you need to do the pre-work seven days ahead. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have control. Like, I know this stuff intellectually. I haven't been practicing at all. So it was a slap in the face, like a reminder. It's like so dumb because you feel like these are the things I learned in therapy when I was 20, you know, but I just just goes to show you can't you can learn something. But if you don't implement it and you just fall back to old habits, it's useless. And it was probably because these last couple of years have been really rough. So I'm like working back at zero, just trying to <laughs> and I don't have to feel guilty about it. But the time is now. Because I can definitely tell now that the depression has gone away, here comes the anxiety again, rearing its mm. stupid head, you know, making me be, act, and feel like I want to hate the way I am again. And that that's like the cycle. Right, right. All right, then. We're going to continue having our um, Can't Stop, Can't Stop series. So we're going to talk to you all next week. Right. So have a good week. Keep fighting in the open, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye.